Hello and welcome back to The Last Slice of Pizza. I am your host, James, and today we are going over the Season 3 finale, Titans East. And it begins with Brother Blood looking over a snow-covered city with some fire shooting out some of the vents on top of the buildings. He monologues about Steel City, which is a cold, bitter place that smells of decay, making it perfect for his new headquarters. He then turns to his literal cult. They're all wearing cult robes. I cannot stress this enough. And he explains his plans of making a new school here ever since his old school was destroyed. He then goes over to a person in chains struggling. His name is Steamroller, and his job is to bring Brother Blood more students, starting with the one that got away. Brother Blood then brainwashes Steamroller, and he stops struggling in his chains. Meanwhile, Cyborg is driving in his car singing a Cyborg-centric version of the show's opening. Which is which is delightful. I love this scene. It's it's so good. <laughs> when there's trouble, you know what to do. Call Cyborg. He can shoot a rocket from his shoe. Cause he's Cyborg. Na 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 something like that. Na 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 baby cat. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. But then the real opening hits. Oh wait. Before that, we see that he's heading east. But then the real opening <laughs> So then, after the opening, the others contact Cyborg from their tower. That was unintentional, I think. Anyway, Starfire says she misses him already, and Beast Boy does too, adding he's trying to play games with Raven, but it's not like she's even trying. Raven then says, just because you glued my hands to the controller... Doesn't mean I want to play with you. Beast Boy laughs while Raven uses her powers to give him a wedgie. Raman asks how it's going on his cross-country trip. Cyborg replies, Good! It's minus 80, the hail is damaging my paint job, and why did I agree to this? Beast Boy then explains that after the events of Wavelength, Aqualad and Bumblebee tracked down Brother Blood to Steel City and are now founding a new Titans organization, and they need your help setting things up. Also, we see chibi versions of Aqualad and Bumblebee, as well as a chibi version of Speedy, who is joining, as well as a plus and minus sign. Raven also unsticks her hands from the controller and throws it at Beast Boy. So, I just realized something about wavelength here in this, which is it has a double meaning. It's not just because Brother Blood's plan was to make a tidal wave, but also because Cyborg was not on the same wavelength as his teammates, and once he was, they were able to stop it. But Cyborg is also about how he might not be on the same wavelength in the long term. But back in this episode, Robin tells him that they need his technical know-how, and Cyborg agrees, saying that if he sticks around long enough, he'll also have a chance at Brother Blood. Robin says that even if he doesn't, some time away may do him some good. Starfire agrees, saying that he's been a bit lobstery lately. Everyone is confused, but Raven comes in and says, I think she means crabby, and they get it. 
which which really speaks volumes to like Starfire and Raven's relationship. I I love that scene. It's it's so it's so small compared to everything else in this episode, but it is still nice to see, you know. So uh the call ends, Cyborg drives off a bridge, but his car turns into a hover car and he approaches the tower on the water and he sees it. It looks a little shabby, but it's mostly done on the outside at least and uh Cyborg is like it looks fine. But then when he heads in, he sees that it's a mess. But he says it's nothing a little elbow grease can't fix. Something explodes. Make that a truckload of elbow grease. Cyborg then hears yelling, and it's Aqualad complaining about how Speedy got fish tacos. Those were probably my friends, Aqualad says. Speedy says, you want me to get lunch? I got lunch. He starts chowing down, much to the horror of Aqualad. We see a set of twins bearing the plus and minus signs we saw earlier rush over, literally, because they're super fast, to eat, leaving Aqualad even more green. When the twins pass by Speedy, uh, they mess up his hair and he spends time fixing it. Bumblebee comes down and says uh, she's got something working. I don't quite remember what it was. It was something on level four, but I don't quite remember. And looks at everyone sitting down and demands that they work. Aqualad can't because he's stick, sick to his stomach and jumps into one of the water pits because this uh, this Titan's Tower has, like, pools and stuff because, you know, Aqualad's here. Make him feel at home. Bumblebee tells Speedy that uh, that's a supercomputer, not a footstool, but uh, Speedy does take his feet off, but he snipes back, who died and made you queen? Bumblebee snaps back, maybe you could call the shots if you weren't so busy with your hair. The twins make a comment, but they only speak Spanish, and I can't understand them. But with visual aids, I can at least tell that they were making fun of Speedy and his, uh, you know, attention to detail about his hair. And he could too, and threatens them, but he does say, you're lucky I can't understand you. Bumblebee stands up for them. Things heat up, and Aqualad appears again on his tirade about eating fish. Cyborg enters and calls their attention. Aqualad welcomes him and introduces the team, but they seem a bit fractured. Not on the same wavelength, if you will. Oh, boy. (laughs) Anyway, it is here that we formally get introduced to Mas y Menos. Uh, They explain themselves in Spanish... And uh, we even see that they're from Guatemala. And then Aqualad explains uh, who they are in English because, uh, like, they're twins. They go really fast, but only when they are touching. And they also only speak Spanish. So, side note, this is just a rumor. I, I actually didn't see this on the Titans wiki when I looked up their character for other reasons, but... Well, just to spell mas y menos, but, you know, apparently this is, there's a rumor or something that mas y menos actually swore in Spanish, and they did this because they thought they could get away with it because not many kids speak Spanish, but they were wrong because there's plenty of Spanish-speaking communities in the U.S., so they had to edit them for Spanish-speaking audiences. But it's, uh, that's such a delightful detail. 
Nice little sneaky sneaky. So cyborg speaks broken Spanish to them, but they don't seem to mind, and they can they can understand English. They just don't speak English. Bumblebee and Speedy are going at it again, and Cyborg offers to help. They try building up the tower, and Cyborg gets the security system online, and uh, Masimanos congratulates him, but in the process, they drop uh, some paint buckets. One lands on Speedy's head, and another on the floor, which Speedy stumbles upon. Speedy starts firing the industrial nail gun that he has, and Cyborg protects Masimanos, and Bumblebee flies and shrinks to get out of the way. The gun fires at Aqualad and misses, but uh, it hits the tube of water around him, and it uh, breaks open and splashes around. The Titans East are still arguing, until Cyborg yells and says that the problem isn't their tower, it's their team. Cyborg gets an alert, saying that there's trouble. Bumblebee remarks, at least something's working. Uh, So then we see a steel plant... And there, Steamroller is, you know, making a mess of things. The Titans come in, and Bumblebee uses her stingers to get Steamroller's attention. She tries to make a declaration, but everyone ignores her as they rush in. Well, except for Cyborg. Cyborg just stands back and is like, But the other members of Titans East, uh, like, just rush in. With Mas y Menos distracting Steamroller... During that time, Bumblebee tries to make her shot, but Masimenos get in the way, and Steamroller tries to clobbering Masimenos, but gets Bumblebee instead. Uh, and Masimenos continue their distraction as Aqualad and Speedy ready their attacks. However, Steamroller dodges, and they hit each other. Steamroller gets Cyborg and starts crushing him with his two handbell-shaped gauntlets joined together to make a literal Steamroller, hence his name, and he also ejects a little, uh, like, tentacle sensor thing from his neck, which uh, saps something from Cyborg. Cyborg knocks him off with a cannon shot, and he gets back up. Uh, Masimenos complain, and Speedy's like, what they said. Bumblebee says that they aren't a team, but Cyborg takes control, saying, they are now Titans, together! Uh, so he tells uh, Speedy and Bumblebee to force Steamroller back, which they do by shooting an arrow with Bumblebee on it. And Bumblebee, uh, like, turns big, kicks him, and then uh, shoots some of her stingers off as well. Cyborg then tells Masimanos to heat things up, which they do by using their speed to gather some of the lava and crash it into him. Cyborg tells Aqualad to cool him down. Aqualad grabs some water and cools down the lava, encasing Steamroller into a stone casing. The Titans celebrate, but an observing Brother Blood tells us that he's got the code for their tower, which he plans to make into his new school. He instructs his cult to follow. So then, we see a montage of the Titans East working on their tower. Cyborg throws some uh, plating up while Speedy uses some of his trick arrows to install it. Bumblebee and Masimenos team up to build some of the tech aspects of the tower. Speedy starts mopping, but Aqualad uses a flood nature's mop to wash the halls with Masimenos using their speed to dry it off. Despite getting hit, Speedy and Aqualad have a newfound respect for each other. Everything's coming together, and uh, they set up their table, and Masimenos brings the chairs and everything is set up. 
The Titans are impressed, and Cyborg reveals the final touch. Disco lighting. Cyborg remarks, Robin would never let him have it at home. He calls for a party, and Aqualad jumps into a pool. Cyborg starts dancing, and Bumblebee offers to join, but before it goes anywhere, Masimenos offers some Game Station 2 time, which Cyborg takes him up on. And we do see, like, Bumblebee a little annoyed by this. Maybe slightly implying that she has a crush on him. Which might also have been implied, uh, like, in Wavelength when, like, she was looking through, uh, his time undercover flirting with Jinx just to see. I don't know if there's enough here for, like, something definitive, but maybe. I'm gonna put this as a hard maybe here. That's really everything I have to say on that, because, like, there's not there's not much in the rest of the episode that, like, ties to that. Well, no. No, I don't think so. So, anyway. Uh, he gets ready, but gets a call, and Masimenos wins. Uh, he goes out into the hall and sees that it's a call from Robin. He reports that everything is up and running, and Robin tells him to come home. Cyborg wants to catch Brother Blood, but Robin informs him that Professor Chang has escaped from jail and they need him here. And he ends the call. Cyborg goes to his car with Masimenos begging him to stay. He says he's needed at home, but the rest of Titans East plea with him, saying that they need him here and that they voted on it and that he should stay as their leader. Cyborg is a bit befuddled by this, but before he can make a decision, the garage door closes. Cyborg notes that the security is down and thinks it's a glitch. Bumblebee notices something in the shadows and says it's not a glitch. We see Brother Blood's cultists surrounding them, and they go on the attack. The Titans start putting up a good defense, but they soon notice that these cultists are more than they appear. Once one of their cloaks is ripped off, we see that they are robotic copies of Cyborg in orange. Aqualad remarks, it's you, to which Cyborg says, no, they're not. Uh, he proceeds to unleash his fury on the copies, and they make way for Titans East to head in further. Cyborg instructs the others to reset the security system, but they all go different ways to do so. They rejoin, saying that one of them's right, and they think they should split up. Cyborg says that they need to stick together. However, more copies arrive, and they split up uh, out of fear, and Cyborg goes his own way as well. The others fight, but they appear to be overwhelmed by the sheer number of copies. Meanwhile, Cyborg takes care of the copies in the main room and says, You can't beat the original. Brother Blood announces, I couldn't agree more. Cyborg notices him, and Brother Blood tells Cyborg of his plans to hijack this building for his new school since he owes him a headquarters. Cyborg replies, the only thing I owe you is a butt whooping. Brother Blood rushes in. He goes for an, an attack, which Cyborg dodges. But when Cyborg attacks, Brother Blood avoids it, and he knocks Cyborg down. Brother Blood taunts Cyborg, saying that he hasn't learned a thing since the last pop quiz. Cyborg asks, how'd you build those tin cans? 
You stole the blueprints, but we stole them back. Brother Blood responds that he has a photographic memory and knows all of Cyborg's tricks. And he has bigger plans. The others are fighting their way through the hordes of the copies. Aqualad takes out some and goes to escape once one blasts a hole into the wall, thinking they probably can't swim, but they use a like dart thing attached to a rope to capture and shock Aqualad. Speedy keeps his distance and fires arrows, saying, You haven't even touched me yet, but... He gets jumped by one of the copies bursting through the wall and grabbing him. And he says, there's a first time for everything. Then Masimenos runs to the tool room and starts dismantling the cyborg copies. But they get split up when one of the copies, like, disrupts their run and get captured. Bumblebee holds out and does a lot of damage, remarking about how she beat cyborg. She can definitely beat these people. But one of the copies grasps her wings. Back at the Cyborg Brother Blood Throwdown. Uh, it's going as usual, where like Cyborg tries to get a good hit in, but Brother Blood always has the upper hand. So once Brother Blood knocks Cyborg down, he goes in, but Cyborg shows off a cannon in his boot, aka the rocket from his shoe. Can't believe that was foreshadowing. <laughs> Knocking Brother Blood out. Brother Blood gets up and says, That's what I like about you, Cyborg. You're full of surprises. Cyborg finds the control panel and goes to reset the security, but Brother Blood continues grasping Cyborg and saying, While others have shaken off his control, he was the only one to completely resist. He grapples and slams Cyborg down. He starts opening him up, wondering what's inside him. What makes him tick? Cyborg's chest starts glowing and Cyborg exclaims, A 50,000 watt power cell! It blasts Brother Blood and Cyborg gets up, resets the security system, and a barrage of guns come out aiming at Brother Blood who falls out of the tower. Cyborg says, And stay out before fainting. Cyborg gets booted up as Titans East is there to greet him. They discuss what happened and congratulate Cyborg for assisting as the leader. Masi Manos are disappointed that the disco ball was destroyed, and they look at the state of the tower, and uh, Cyborg is a little disappointed, but they believe things will get better, especially with Cyborg as their leader. Uh, Robin calls and asks Cyborg, why isn't he back yet? And Cyborg decides then and there that he's staying as the leader. Robin says, we need you. Cyborg says, they need me more, and hangs up. Robin is devastated. Cyborg instructs that combat practice begins at 0600 hours. He leaves. The others report back to Brother Blood, saying Cyborg doesn't suspect a thing, for they are all under his control. And that ends part one. Part two starts off heated with Cyborg on a call with Robin, and Robin asks Cyborg about why he's staying. Cyborg explains that this team needs him, and Cyborg believes that this is his chance to prove himself, to be a man. Robin pokes at Cyborg's urge to bring down Brother Blood, and tries to relate to him being obsessed with your target, because Robin's been there. Cyborg thinks that Robin thinks he can't handle it, and gets frustrated. Like, the specific exchange is like, you think I can't handle it. Robin says, I didn't say that. Cyborg says, you didn't need to. 
And Cyborg's like, this is supposed to be a good thing. It's my own team. Why can't you be happy? Robin says that you're on a team already. My team. You can't just quit. Cyborg says he can and he will. And he doesn't have to put up with Robin's biz- bossiness anymore. Robin says, so it's my fault? This isn't about you, Cyborg replies. No, Robin says, it's about you, because that's all you care about. You go on about being a man, but if you turn your back on us after everything we went through, you're nothing but a spoiled child. Cyborg puts his foot down, saying, I don't care what you say or what you do, and right now I don't care if I ever see you again. And he hangs up. The others observe this and report back to Brother Blood, who tells them to stall until he's ready, which will be soon. Isn't that right, Professor Chang? We see Professor Chang brainwashed and holding a knife. Then we get the opening. Oh boy. All that before the opening. That's a lot. So, Titans Prime are at their tower in disbelief over Cyborg leaving. Starfire asks, who will shout the booyah when we are victorious? Raven asks, who's going to laugh when I make fun of Beast Boy? And Beast Boy goes on a full rant about all of the things Cyborg has done with him. Robin explains that it's not about you, it's about him. Starfire asks who will take care of him, and Robin says he can take care of himself. At the Titans East Tower, Speedy gets a signal from Brother Blood. Meanwhile, Cyborg rewards the team with a spaghetti dinner with his patented triple meat sauce. The others are amazed. However, Speedy shoots Cyborg, and Cyborg quickly finds out that the others have been brainwashed by Brother Blood, and that he's still here. The others go on the offensive to capture him, and he goes to escape and fight back. Masimenos knocks Cyborg into the pool. He tries swimming out, but Aqualab grabs him and uh, tries to drown him, but Cyborg blasts him with a cannon and escapes. He gets chased by Bumblebee, and he manages to free her from the control. Masimenos rush in, but Cyborg closes the door on them. Aqualad shows up, ready to run him through with water. Cyborg tries to convince him, but Aqualad doesn't break like Bumblebee does. Cyborg is overwhelmed by the tidal wave, and once he's up, Masimenos and Speedy knock him around and out of the building. Once down there, he tries contacting Titan's Prime, but is cornered by the boys telling him that their communication is jammed. He readies his cannon, but Bumblebee knocks him out. When Cyborg awakens, he's on a table, restrained. Uh, The table automates itself into an upright position. He tries to free himself, but he can't. He pleads with his new team about what Brother Blood is doing. He's not teaching you, he's forcing you, forcing you to be criminals just like him. Brother Blood comes out of the shadows, saying, Not quite. You see, I don't want them to be just like me. I want them to be just like you. And Cyborg is horrified because Brother Blood reveals that he got himself cyborged up, which is even more troubling if you know that cyborg cyborgness was the result of an accident that also killed his mom. And yet Brother Blood is wearing it like he doesn't care because he doesn't. But it gets worse. Cyborg reacts fiercely because of course he does. And Brother Blood replies by saying, disgusted with the very same technology that keeps you alive. So he knows that Cyborg almost died and this was the only way to save him. Which is more 
messed up. I cannot stress this enough. This is this is psychotic. Brother Blood then explains that he will use Cyborg's technology and his power to create an army of students and enhance them with Cyborg's capabilities. But he needs to find out why Cyborg can resist first before anything. Cyborg won't let him, and Brother Blood tells him that Titans East will just have to dismantle him. As they approach with tools, Cyborg's like, alright everyone, just, just, now would be a good time <laughs> to just drop the act and turn on Brother Blood. But before that, um, Titans Prime shows up, uh, like, to get in the way of Titans East trying to dismantle Cyborg and force the um, copies that have entered the room away. Um, <laughs> Robin then remarks that Brother Blood doesn't look so good. Beast Boy adds, yes, that get Cable, or then Brother Blood is like, silence! Brother Blood then says, if I can't have your secret, then I'll just have to experiment on your friends. Trial and error can be a bit messy. It worked for him, but then again, I guess he's more wondering about the preventing from breaking of the mind control. Maybe. Anyway, so Brother Blood and Titans East disappear and lock the Titans in. Starfire frees Cyborg and asks if he's okay. Cyborg responds, I'm not hurt, but I'm a long way from okay. He then asks about how they knew, and Robin explains that the signal was garbled, but they understood it enough and got here just in time. Cyborg laments that he didn't do a good job as leader, seeing as he lost his team. Robin assures them that he hasn't yet, and that there's still time. Cyborg asks what to do, and Robin gives him full control over the assignment. Cyborg begins concocting a plan, but Beast Boy says that they are trapped. Cyborg says, I built this place, and I can tear it apart. They sneak out and find some copies patrolling. Cyborg informs everyone that his robotic eye doesn't see an ultra-low blue light. So he coats everyone in a layer of blue light so they can sneak past the copies. Meanwhile, Brother Blood is preparing for the first operation with Professor Chang readying his equipment. He explains that some of you won't survive, and if you resist, you'll be deactivated for study. Bumblebee snaps out of it for a bit, but Brother Blood get, regains control. The Titans ambush him with Cyborg in the lead. Brother Blood, seeing this, teleports away while letting Titans East fight Titans Prime. They face off, and Cyborg advises them to take it easy because they're still his friends. Cyborg calls out, Titans, go, and proceeds to battle. Speedy unleashes a barrage of arrows against Robin while Robin closes the gap a few times. Starfire faces off against Bumblebee, both weaving out of the way of their shots. Mossy Menos try to encircle Raven and Beast Boy, but they fly away. Speedy continues his hail of arrows while Robin dodges and throws some exploding discs. Cyborg and Aqualad duke it out until Aqualad finds some pipes and unleash a torrent aimed at Cyborg, which he runs from. So as they're running, Cyborg and Robin meet, and uh, Cyborg calls out Robin now, and uh, Robin jumps on Cyborg and then kicks Aqualad, knocking him out. Uh, with one down, Speedy is still at it, and Cyborg instructs Starfire to uh, take out his bow. She bashes him, dodging his arrows, knocking him down, and knocking his bow away from him. 
Masi Menos are still being a menace, but uh, Cyborg tells Raven to split them up. She summons stones to split them up, knocking them out as well. Starfire continues drawing the attention of Bumblebee as they go back and forth. Cyborg instructs Beast Boy to go, and Beast Boy gets launched, becomes a frog, and catches her with his tongue. After a flurry of attacks, Beast Boy spits her out, but she is down. Brother Blood comes back and teleports Cyborg away. The Titans lament this, but they don't have too long because the Titans East are back up. On the rooftop, Brother Blood and Cyborg arrive. Cyborg begins duking it out, but as usual, Brother Blood has the upper hand. They clash some more, and when Cyborg gets his cannon out, he goes in for a closed-ranged blast, while Brother Blood goes in with one of his magic swipes. They do the samurai clash, and after they land, Cyborg's arm falls off. Brother Blood says, you'll never defeat the headmaster. When will you learn? Cyborg replies, never. I guess that makes you a bad teacher. And then Brother Blood says, or perhaps you need a crash course. Back in the basement, Beast Boy is taking hit after hit from Asimenos trying to figure out how to solve the issue. He then becomes a skunk to blast them and they are apart long enough for Beast Boy to come, become an octopus and grapple them. Starfire and Bumblebee are fighting, and Starfire unleashes an AoE, knocking Bumblebee out. She then says, I hope after all this we can still be friends. Raven and Speedy engage in some CQC, with Speedy getting the upper hand at one point, but Raven is able to bounce back. Meanwhile, Robin and Aqualad are doing some of that too. They go back and forth until Robin kicks Aqualad and corners him. He says that they can break the spell, but Aqualad calls for Brother Blood. Brother Blood assures him that help is on its way. A bunch of copies show up, and Raven says, I wish Cyborg were here right now. Back on the roof, Brother Blood is bashing Cyborg. Cyborg tries to fight, but is outclassed at every turn. Brother Blood then starts dismantling Cyborg himself, until he's a full amputee and broken in several places. Brother Blood goats about how he's defeated him and the rest of his team, as he summons them, contained within a red aura. Robin pleads for help. Brother Blood says that Cyborg should have accepted his first offer. I would have made you a man. I still could. Cyborg retorts, you can take your offer and blow it out your... Brother Blood snaps back, insolent child. Brother Blood then starts ripping Cyborg apart, stating that he's looked through his blueprints, peeled back your armor, stripped your machinery, but you still defy me. Where in this infernal contraption is the part that allows you to resist? Cyborg has an epiphany and starts glowing blue. It's not in the circuitry, is it? It's not the machine that resists you. It's me, my spirit. The copies disassemble as Cyborg puts himself back together. That's the part you can't break. Brother Blood gasps. I don't need you to make me a man. I already am one. <laughs> Brother Blood goes to attack, but this time he acts aggressive and Cyborg easily dodges out of the way. Brother Blood tries to create a shockwave, but Cyborg just ignores it. Brother Blood continues his assault until Cyborg catches both of his hands and makes him bend the knee. Cyborg continues putting pressure on him until his hands break off. He then kicks Brother Blood, knocking him out, after which Cyborg lets out a quiet booyah. The others are freed from Brother Blood's aura, and Titans East is free from control. 
A little later, Beast Boy asks if Cyborg is magic now, but Cyborg explains that it's probably just a one-time thing. He's been trying to get into my head that I pretty much got into his, I guess, is the explanation. Masi Menos are crushing on Starfire and bringing her gifts, but they are annoyed at each other and fight while Starfire just leaves. Robin, Bumblebee, and Aqualad just kind of laugh this off. Titans Prime and Titans East discuss their success. Blood is in jail, and Titans East will stick around to make sure it stays that way, and also take care of the other criminals in Steel City. Everyone gathers, and Robin says that this is it. Cyborg agrees, but says it's it for him. He kindly rejects the offer to be leader of Titans East because he already has a home, and they already have a leader. You just gotta listen to her. Everyone cheers for the leader Bumblebee. As Cyborg is packing up, Robin asks, What made you change your mind? Cyborg explains, I always thought I was missing something. Something I needed to become a man. My own team, my own skin. So I guess Brother Blood did teach me one thing. I don't need anything. The others are in the T-ship ready to go while Cyborg offers Robin a ride in the car. They leave, heading back to Jump City, into the sunset. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack with this episode because that was the end of the episode and there's a lot to unpack. Also, wow, I got through like a two-part episode in like half an hour or more, but whatever. So let's start with what I picked up in Wavelength because that's a bit of a thread that connects everything else. So in Wavelength, Bumblebee manages to defeat Cyborg and reveals she's been a double agent the entire time, longer than Cyborg's been in there even, resisting Brother Blood's brainwashing. They even have a back and forth about, like, whose mission it is, and Bumblebee makes those points. And in this episode, at the beginning, we see everyone else not listening to her, despite the fact that she is determined to do stuff, fix everything, they don't listen to her in combat either. All of this to say that despite her being a viable option for leader, no one takes her seriously at first. And the reason for that is good old-fashioned sexism. <laughs> Cyborg does have the experience to run the team, but so does Bumblebee, but they don't listen to her at first. And Bumblebee does not have as much faith in herself at the beginning either, but that could still be derived from the people around her not listening to her, despite, you know, the fact that she is arguably better than Cyborg. <laughs> like, no matter what, like, they're, like, each person has their own, like, set of talents, and that's, like, part of what being a team is about. So even if, like, Bumblebee can, like, hide from Brother Blood longer and, you know, beat him in combat, that doesn't make Cyborg not a viable option for leader. He is very much a viable option for leader. It's it's a it's a it's a whole thing. But when Cyborg bows out, she gets taken seriously. And like I don't know, there there is something nice about like Cyborg being able to recognize that someone is better than him and someone can take the reins from him that like he he doesn't need to be in charge to like be the best he can be and yeah 
the, the whole story arc is about a uh, cyborg trying to be a man. And like, that's also like cyborgs, like character arc as well. And it's only when he recognizes himself as a man, like from the start that he is able to bow out to someone that is better than him at leading or doing something, whether it is Bumblebee or Robin, like he, he has the opportunity to be in charge of his own team. And like, after the dust settles on this whole brother blood affair, like Robin is like, yeah, you can have your own team. You're good at this, but he, he wants to go home. He relinquishes control of both teams because like, he doesn't need that anymore. He he knows that he is like tough and powerful and can do what it takes. Which is really, really great. And in Bumblebee's case, uh like Cyborg being a man is being man enough to know when like a woman can be in charge and can be better than him. And it's it's also really great on that front too but how does brother blood fit into this theming or this whole arc or whatever <laughs> well i'm glad you asked in one sentence brother blood is a racist <laughs> what evidence do i have well let's let's start first he essentially runs a cult and brainwashes people which is not inherently racist, but it's not a point for him not being racist. Then there's also his name. I know it comes from the comics, but if you were to tell me, make a name that seems racist without outright stating it, Brother Blood would be on the short list because like Brother and Blood have like some level of racial connotation to it. But put together, it's not a good look. But those are, like, circumstantial at best. The actual proof we start seeing with uh, Bumblebee. In Wavelength, we see Bumblebee as being more capable than Cyborg and can also resist his power. Not all the time, as we see in this episode, but she is able to do it. And also with the cybernetic enhancement, I guess. And yet, Brother Blood has a more intense focus on Cyborg even after the events of Wavelength. Like, Bumblebee can defeat him. Cyborg can't defeat Brother Blood in, like, hand-to-hand -hand combat. But Brother Blood is still intently focused on Cyborg. But why? It's not his mental capabilities. If it was, Bumblebee would be a better candidate for this in fact brother blood is actively looking for a way to turn off his mental capabilities but it's his body which is more useful to him which goes into the idea that like racist white people are happy to see people of color doing something like sports for their entertainment but get upset when they try to advocate for their opinion i will say that this is not a position shared by all white people not by a long shot but I do think there is something here. And maybe I'm just overly projecting, but this last bit of evidence is like, 
No, no, it's it's solid because Brother Blood's grand plan is to make a literal race of beings that are superior to every other being that obey his every whim, which is the most overtly racist thing he's done. The most overtly racist thing pretty much anyone has ever done. But everything else kind of fuels this. A white man obsessed with a young black teen and tries to force him into obeying him sounds villainous because it is. So Slade is a child predator and Brother Blood is a racist. Boy, do the writers push the envelope on these villains. Holy smokes. So with that out of the way, let's talk about the themes. Cyborg's arc is about him being a man and him seeing himself as one. We've discussed this a little bit, but like every turn in the story episode of this season, he's reminded of how inadequate he feels, whether it's being not normal or having a chance at a normal life in a high school again, or not being enough to take down Brother Blood. But in the end, he discovers he's been worth it the whole time. And that regardless of what happens, if he's a leader, if he's normal, if he's able to win, he's still a man. Which does kind of bring the idea of transness in again. Because regardless of like treatment status or surgery status, if you're a trans man, you're a man full stop. But there's a lot more going on here than that. So who knows? Maybe it's just like another added facet to this arc whether like being a man regardless of status whether that be trans or not or bald or not or strong or not or any other variety of conditions that a man feels less of a man about there's there's a lot going on and like transness is just like one aspect of it it's just one adjective among many <laughs> and when you look at the other episodes of this season a lot of them wrap into the themes as well we see a lot of separation anxiety obsession mistakes and how to deal with them villains trying to assimilate the titans robin's authority not being a hundred percent all of that can be found like through the season and all of them are bundled into this episode perfectly but what makes this episode really interesting to me is that this could have been where the series ended. So in the first episode, production order at least, and the one I went with, Cyborg leaves over something petty but reunites. And in this episode, Cyborg has a serious reason for leaving but reunites in the end. Robin was obsessed with his enemy in the first season, and Cyborg was obsessed with his enemy in this season, as Robin did point out. Plus, we open up the world a bit and leave the bubble of, like, Jump City and everything. And uh, we know that there are more people out there with the Titans' cause. And they also just ride into the sunset, which is the classic ending thing. And it, it's a nice, like, and there's also a good passing the torch moment between one team to another. There is a lot to this episode that, like, the theming of it, like, wraps it up perfectly. That regardless of anything that happens, you are still who you are. And regardless of, like, 
what happens, you're still a team with your friends. And it's so it's so interesting because you really could end it here. I am glad that there's still two more seasons, but it really could have ended here. And uh, <clears throat> let's see, what else is there? Oh yeah, I guess I was gonna mention this, but I didn't take this note down. But like when talking about like Cyborg feeling inadequate, that also like plays into him beating up copies of himself, whether it's like the fake copy the Titans made at uh, Deception or the fake copies of him in this episode. There's that too. And I will say though, they don't really flesh out Brother Blood a lot, but they make him work. Like last season, they fleshed out Terra a lot, but it's still limited. They had like four story episodes instead of three. I And I guess like Slade has like a lot of like more intermittent appearances but like like yeah brother blood is a not quite fleshed out as i would like him to be personally but he still works like who he is why he has these powers and like what these powers even are like seem they seem to come out of pocket but it works because like cyborg is fighting against someone who he doesn't really have a chance to win against using conventional methods, but he wins in the end by taking a stance. Brother Blood can't win as long as Cyborg doesn't obey him, and Cyborg will never obey him because Cyborg won't obey anyone he doesn't respect, and he does not respect Brother Blood. So despite all of like the power and the weird stuff that he can do and the fact that out of all of the times they fought brother blood has always had the upper hand brother blood can never win and it, it works but again i do wish they fleshed him out a little more and i know i keep pondering about how a modern take on this would be but i believe that if a season had twice as many episodes we could flesh out certain things a little more and get more out of it while still maintaining the filler content. Like, I understand that's not the way it went, but I like imagining that. Like, if, if we had a second chance at this, what, what would we do? And this is what I would do, at least. All this to say that this is a really good episode. It's a really strong episode. It has a lot to it and a lot of moving parts, but at the same time... It's still accessible and approachable in a way. Like Aftershock, for example. I, I spent like over an hour and a half talking about that episode. But like that has a lot of emotional like highs and lows that like really, really, really ratchet up that. Like, this has, like, the same amount as, like, a regular episode, but just amplified in a way. And, like, that's kind of what season three, like, in general feels like. It's, it's like, the most regular season of Teen Titans, I think. And I think that's its strong point, is that, like, if you want to show someone an episode of Teen Titans... Just pick an episode from season three and you can show them like everything that the show is made of. And that's that's what makes season three interesting. That's what makes this episode interesting. 
And that, I will say, is my final point because that is it for this episode of The Last Slice of Pizza. I will once again thank the Unknown King for the use of our theme song. But we are not done yet because next time we will go over the lost episode. So as you prepare for that, please leave your comments and reviews on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they go east. And I will see you then. (laughs) 